Ashley Brock reading Nora Roberts' book, Holding the Dream, Chapter 8. No way did she have an ulcer. Kate confronted, comforted herself with that thought. And the image of how foolish Byron was going to look for rushing her to the hospital with a case of nervous heartburn. Ulcers were for repressed wimps who didn't know how to express their emotions, who were afraid to face what was inside them. Kate figured she expressed her emotions just fine and at every opportunity. She was simply dealing with more stress than usual. Who wouldn't have a jury stomach after the two months she'd just had? But she was handling it, she told herself, shutting her eyes tight against the incessant burning pressure. She was handling it her way. The minute Bennett Byron stopped the car. She would explain yet again calmly that K. Powell took care of K. Powell. She would have if she could have caught her breath, but he jerked to a halt in front of the emergency room, slammed out of the car, plucked her out of her seat before she could so much as squeak. Then it was worse because she was inside with all the sounds and sense of a hospital. Emergency rooms were all the same everywhere. The air inside was thick with despair and fear and flesh blood and the septic alcohol sweat. The slap of fear and f- the slap of creep solid shoes and the whisper of wheels on aluminum. It paralyzed her. It was all she could do to keep herself from curling into a ball on the hard plastic chair where he don't stay, he ordered courtly. Before marching over to the admitting office, she didn't even hear him. Flushes of memory assaulted her. She carried a high, desperate scream of sirens. See the red lights pulsing and spinning. She was eight years old again, and the dull thrum deep inside her ached like a wound in blood. She could smell it, not hers, or very little of her blood. She barely had a scratch. Contusions, they had called them minor lacerations, a mild concussion, nothing life-threatening. Nothing life alternate, but they had wheeled her parents away even when she screamed for her mother, and they had never come back. It's your lucky night, Byron said when he came back. Not much going on. We're going to take a look at you now. I can't be here, she murmured. I can't be in a hospital. That's that's the brakes, kid. This is where the doctors are. He lifted her two feet, surprised when she went along like an obedient puppy. He passed her off to a nurse and settled down to wait. Kate told herself the more she cooperated, the quicker they would let her go. And they had to let her go if she wasn't a child now who had no choice. She stepped into the narrow examining area, shuddered once at the sound of the curtain being drawn close behind her. Let's see... What we've got here. The doctor on duty was young and pretty, a round face, narrow eyes behind wide framed glasses, dark hair scooped back at the side with simple bobby pins. It had been a man before Kate remembered he'd been young too, but his eyes had been exhausted and old. Mechanically, Kate answered the standard questions. No, she didn't have any allergies. She had no surgery. She was taking no medication. Why don't you lay it down? Why don't you lie back, Miss Powell? I'm Dr. Hood. I'm going to check you out. Are you having pain now? No, not really. The doctor lived or not. No, or not really. Kate closed her eyes and struggled to steep herself in the here now. Some. Tell me when it increases. Soft hands, Kate thought as they began to probe her. Doctors always seem to have soft hands. Then she is, says the doctor, applied pressure on her breast. That's the spot, huh? How often does this happen? It happens. Do you find the discomfort occurs after a meal, say an hour or so after a meal? Sometimes, she said. Yes. And when you drink alcohol? Yes. Is there any vomiting? No. Kate swept a hand over clean. No. Dizziness? No. Well, not really. Dr. Hud's unpainted mouth pursed as she pressed her fingers to Kate's wrist. Your pulse is a little fast. I don't want to be here. Kate said, I hate hospitals.
Yeah, I know the feeling. Doctor continued as she made notations on her back. Describe the pain for me. Kate stared up at the ceiling, pretended she was talking aloud to herself. It's a burning in the torso or an aching. She wouldn't stay here. She reminded herself calmly on the stable behind these curtains. More like sharp hunger pains in my stomach. They can get pretty intense, I bet. How have you been dealing with it? My heartburn? Kate said, don't. My Lana? The doctor chuckled. Patty Kate said, are you under a lot of stress, Miss Powell? My father was seized when I lost my job and the cops could be knocking on my door any minute. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing that won't make it worse. Who is it? She tried not to jerk when the doctor lifted her eyelid, trying to light to check her pupils. How long have you been having these symptoms? Somewhere around forever? I don't know. They've gotten worse in the last couple of months. Sleeping well? No. Taking anything for that? No. How about headaches? No thanks, I have plenty of them. New print, she said a dissipating question. Excedrin. I switch off. Mm hmm. When was your last fiscal? When Kate didn't answer the doctor, he's back pressure again. That long, huh? He's your regular doctor. I go see Malini once a year for Pap. I don't get sick. You're doing a good imitation of it now. I'll follow that up with my imitations of an exam. Let's check your blood pressure. Kate submitted to it. She's calmer now, certain that the ordeal was almost over. She imagined the doctor would dash off a prescription and be done with it. Blood pressure's a little high, heart strong. You're on the right, Miss Powell. Diety. No, I never diet. Lucky you, Hud said with a considering look in her eyes. I it was a look Kate recognized one of the meters. I don't have an eating disorder, doctor. I'm not bulimic nor anorexic. No binging, no purging, no pills. I've always been thin. So you haven't lost any weight lately? A few pounds maybe came in. My appetite's been kinda sporadic. Look, I'll have some problem I've had some problems at work and it stressed me out. That's all. Believe me, if I had a choice, I'd rather have curves than angles. Well, well, when we solve this problem, you should put them back on after we run a few tests. Kate's hand shot out. Go run her. Tests? What kind of tests? Nothing that involves torture chambers, I promise. We need some x-rays, a barium, certainly, and I recommend a upper GI. These are to pinpoint and to eliminate. I don't want any tests. Give me a pill and let me out of here, Miss Powell. It's not quite that simple. We'll get you in and out of x-ray as quickly as possible. I'll try to schedule the GI first thing in the morning once we get you in. Panic was white. Kate realized. White robes, woman in white uniform. You're not keeping me here. Just overnight, the doctor said. It's not that I don't respect your boyfriend's diagnosis. He's not my boyfriend. Well, I'll work on that if I were you. But in any case, he's not a doctor. His mother is. He talked to his mother on the way over. Ask him. I want you to get him back here. I want you to get him. All right. Try to calm down. I'll go talk to him. Just lie down here and try to relax. Now, Dr. East Kate's shoulders back. Once she was alone, Kate struggled to breathe deeply. Evening. But there was Hercules. Still arguing. Byron began when he stepped into the room. Kate popped up like, I can't stay here. She snatched at her shirt with trembling hands. You have to give me out. Now listen, Kate. I can't stay here overnight. I can't spend the night in a hospital. I can't. Their voice lowered her boom with my parents. Confusion came first. Did she expect him to call the Templeton's and France to back her up? Then remember, her own parents were dead, had been killed in an accident hospital, and he saw that what he had taken for pain and bad temper in her eyes was she tear. Okay, baby. To soothe her, he pressed his lips to her mouth. Don't worry, you're not going to stay. I can't. She felt a breath hitch. Let the shimmering hysteric start 
it's crazy, man. You won't, I promise. He cut her face and told her, so I promise, Kate. I'm going to talk to the doctor now. Then I'll take you home. Miss Terry receded, replaced by Trish. All right, okay. She goes, all right. Just give me a minute. Step to the other side of the curtain. With her. She's got a phobia. I didn't realize it. Look, Mr. DeWitt, most people don't like spending time in hospitals. There are times I don't like it myself. I'm not talking about ordinary restraint. Frustrated, he dragged a hand towards her. That's all I thought it was. But it's a lot more. Listen, her parents were killed in some sort of accident when she was a kid. I don't know the details, but there must have been some hospital time. She's panicked at staying here, and she isn't the panicky type. She needs these tests, the doctor insisted. Dr. Hood, is it Dr. Hood? She's got an ulcer, textbook symptoms. We both know it. Because your mother said so. My mother's chief of internal medicine at Atlanta General. Oh, it's bro, shut up. Dr. Margaret DeWitt. She's hotty. Impressive. I read a number of her papers, though I tend to agree with her diagnosis. I'm sure she'd agree with my procedure. Sign points to a domino ulcer, but I can't discard other possibilities. These tests are standard. And if the patient is too distressed, emotionally wrecked, that the idea of the test agitates the pre-existing condition. You wait a minute. Neither one of us is going to be able to force her to have them. She'll just walk out of here, go on popping dumps, until she's got a hole in her stomach you could stick a putt through. No, I can't force her to take have the tests. I said earlier, and I can't give her mess. I can give her medicine in exchange for a promise that she comes back as an outpatient for a barium X-ray if symptoms reoccur. I'll see that she does. You'd better. Her blood pressure's up. Her weight's down. She's hoarding stress. I say she's got a breakdown on the boil. I'll take care of her. Doctor Hud hesitated a moment, measuring the nodder. I'm sure you will. She reached for the curtain glance. Is your father, Dr. Brian DeWitt? The erratic surgeon. And your? And hotel. She's my family. But my sisters are doctors, all three of them. <laughs> There's one in every family. I'm sorry, Kate muttered. She kept her head back, resting against the car seat. Kept her eyes closed. Just follow doctor's orders, take your medicine, get rest. Come back on the jalapenos. She knew he said it to make her smile. She tried to bite her. And I was just craving some. I didn't have to ask until... I was sure we managed to escape, but how did you talk her out of admitting me? Raising charm, com compromise, and by invoking my mother's name, she's a big deal. Oh. And I promise he added that if it happens again, you go in for x-rays. As an outpatient, he held a hand, he laid a hand over her, sweet. This isn't something you can ignore, Kate. You have to take care of this and yourself. She felt, fell silent again. It was all too embarrassing, and there were still little hot licks of panic flickering in her stomach. When she opened her eyes again, she saw the moon kiss sweep a big spur, the rise of cliffs, the flash of force, the wild care of the rope with thin mists of fog covering. Tears stung her eyes. She hesitated to get home, and he understood home was Templeton House. The lights were glowing against the windows, glowing in a warmth and welcome that was as dependable as sunrise. She could smell the flowers, hear the sea. Even before he had fully stopped the car at the top of the drive, the door swung open. Laura raced out. Oh, honey, are you all right? Her rope swirled around her legs. Laura rushed open the car door and all put an absorbed into her arms. I've been so worried. It's all right. It's so silly. I. Then she spotted Anna. Anna hurrying out nearly broke. There, darling girl, crooning Anna tucked an arm around Casey. Let's get you inside now. I, but it was too easy to just let her head 
Rest on Anna's shoulder. Here her memories of warm cookies and sweet tea. Soft sheets and cool hands. Byron. Laura cast a distracted look back at him. I'm so grateful you caught. I should look torcado already. Halfway now. Please come in. Let me get you some coffee. No, I'll head on home. It was obvious that Laura was oblivious to everything. Everyone was like, I'll come by later and see how she is going. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. She dashed away. He watched her catch up and flank Kate on the other side. Three of them slipped into the house as one. She slept for 12 hours and awakened, rested in days. She was in the room of her middle childhood. The wallpaper was the same. The subtle pastel strips, the blinds of her late adolescence had been replaced. By lace curtains that swayed at the open windows, they had been Kate's grandmother's, had hung in her own mother's bedroom. Aunt Susie had thought they would bring her comfort when she had first settled in Templeton House, and she'd been right. They brought her comfort now. There had been many a morning Kate had lain in the big soft four-postered and watched those curtains flutter and felt her parents close. If she could just talk to them now, she thought. Just try to understand why her father had done what he had done. But what comfort would there be in that? What excuse could possibly justify it? She had to concentrate on the now. Had to find a way to live in the now. And yet, how could she not drift back? It was the house, most of all, she supposed. It held so many memories. There was history here. Arrows, people, ghosts, like the cliffs, the forest, those widely shaped cypress trees. It held magic. She turned her face into the pillow, encased in Irish linen. And always saw to it that the bed linen was scented lightly with lemon. They were flowers on the night table, or Warford vase was sweet smelling Fariza. A note was propped against it. Recognizing Laura's handwriting, she stirred herself to reach out. Kate, I didn't want to wake you when I left. Margot and I are at the shop this morning. We don't want to see you there. Anna has agreed to lock you in your room if necessary. You're to take your next dose at 11 sharp. Unless you sleep through it, one of us will come home at lunchtime. You're expected to stay in bed if you ever scare us like this again. I'll threaten you in person. I love you, Laura. Just like her Kate Muse set the note aside, but she couldn't very well stay in bed all day. Too much thinking time in bed. No, she decided to call it by its name. Brooding time. She would find something to keep her from brooding. Her briefcase had to be somewhere. She decided she just... And what do you say you're about, young lady? Anna Sullivan stood in the doorway with a tray in her hand and a hard light in her eyes. I was going to go to the bathroom. That's all. Cautiously, Kate finished climbing out of bed and ducked into the adjoining bath, smiling, and set down the tray and moved to fluff the pillows. All her girls thought they could lie when the chips were down. She mused, and only Margot was any good at it. She waited, her back soldier straight, so Kate came back in, then Anne merely pointed at the bed. Now, I'm going to say to it that you eat, take your medicine, and behave yourself with smooth sufficiency, and fit the tray over Kate's up. And also, is it? Well, we're not putting up with that. No, indeed. Now, Mrs. Williamson has fixed you some nice, soft scrambled eggs and toast. And there's herb tea. She says chamomile will soothe your innards. You'll eat fruit, too. The melon's very mild. Yes, ma'am. She felt as though she could eat for hours. Annie, I'm sorry. For what? For being not headed Well, you should be. But she sat on the edge of the bed, and in a time on her fashion, laid her hand over Kate's bro to test for fever. Looking yourself up until you're sick, and look at you, Miss Kate. Nothing but a bag of bones. Need every bit of those eggs. I thought it was heartburn. She murmured and bit her lip. Or cancer. What is this nonsense? Paul Anna snagged Kate's chin in her hand. Her hand. You were worried you had cancer and did nothing about it. Well, 
I figured if it was heartburn, I could live with it. And if it was cancer, I'd just die anyway. <laughs> you're missing the bile exam. I feel like such a fool. I'm glad to hear, for you are one. Clucking her tongue and his poor Kate's team. Miss Kate, I love you. Well, never in my life have I met, been more angry with anyone. No, you don't. Don't you dare tear up while I'm yelling at you. Kate Snipple took the tissue and held out on Blue Morphers. I'm sorry, she said again. Be sorry then. <laughs> Exasperated, she handed over another. I thought Margot was the only one of you who could make me crazy. You may have waited 20 years to do it, my girl, but you've matched her. Did you once tell your family you were feeling poorly? Did you once think what it would mean to us if you ended up in the hospital? I thought I could handle it. Well, you couldn't, could you? <laughs> no. Eat those eggs before the coat. There's Mrs. Williamson's down in the kitchen, fretting over you. And old Joe, the gardener, cutting his precious phrases so you could wake up to them. That's to say nothing of Margot, who got me up on the phone 30 minutes or more this morning. So I worked up over you, she is. And Mr. Josh, who came by and looked in on you before he could go to his way to work. And do you think Miss Lower got a wink of sleep last night? And she lectured and Paltos with raspberry preservatives and ate the cake. That's to say nothing of how the Templetons are going to feel when they... Oh, Annie, please, don't. Don't tell them. Anna said with a fish looking okay. cake. Is that what you were going to say, Missy? Don't tell the people who love to God for you, who gave you a home and a family. No one. Kate, not miserably. Paddle jam or sham. Shame like Anna Sullivan. No, I'll call them myself today. That's better. And when you're feeling more yourself, you're going to go. Thank Mr. DeWitt in person for taking care of you. I foresee brush humiliation. Kate told with rings. I did thank him. And you'll thank him again. She glanced up as the maid knocked quietly on the open door. Excuse me, this just arrived from Miss Powell. She carried in a long white florist box and set it on the foot of the bed. Thank you, Jenny. Wait just a moment and we'll see what base we'll use. No, you finish eating, Anna corrected. I'll open this. She undid the bow, opened the lid, and the room was filled with a scent of roses. Two dozen long stem yellows yellows bloomed against a bed of glossy green. She allowed herself one quick feminine sigh. Fetch the back rat, will you, Jenny? The tall one in the library breakfast break fo break front. Yes, ma'am. Now I know I'm sick. Cheered. Kate plucked up the envelope. Imagine Margot sending me a bunch of flowers before she tore out the garden. Her job, job. Not for Margot, I take it. With the privilege of time and affection, Anna slipped the card out of the Kate's fingers and read, "Relax, Byron. Well, well, well." It's nothing to well about. He's just feeling sorry for me. Two dozen yellow roses, or something aside, from sympathy girl. That's maybe told romance. Hardly. Seduction, anyway. Kate remembered the wild embrace in his kitchen. Hot and tense, rudely interrupted. Maybe, sort of, if I was the seducing type. Well, oh, we, we all are. Thank you, Jenny. I'll take you from here. Anne took the vase from the maid and went into the bathroom to fill her. She wasn't surprised and not just a little pleased to see Kate sniffling thoughtfully at one of the blossoms when she came back. Drink your tea now while I arrange these. It's a relaxing thing, arranging flowers. She took a pair of scissors from the old neat hole desk, spread the tissue that had covered the flowers on the dresser, and got to work. Something you take your time about and joy, plucking them by the handful into a handy vase, doesn't bring any joy. Kate dragged her thoughts away from detailing lists of Byronowitz qualities, confident, kind, interfering, sexy, meddlesome, sexy, 
it gets the job done. If that's all you're after, in my opinion, Miss Kate, you'll always be in a hurry to get the job done, whatever it may be. You're forgetting the pleasure of doing. Rushing through something to get to the next something might be productive, but it's not fun. I have fun, Kate muttered. Do you now? From what I've seen, you've earned... You've even turned your weekly treasure hunts into a scheduled chore. Let me ask you this. If you were, by some wild chance, in your quest for efficiency, to stumble over Sophia's diary, what would you do with it? Do with it? That's what I asked. Would you take the riches and sail around the world? Lie on some lazy beach by a fancy car? Or would you invest in mutual funds and tax-free bonds? Properly invested money makes money. And slip the stem gently into place. And what for? So it can pile up neatly in some vault. Is that the only means to the end, or into the means? Not that you haven't done a tidy job with helping me build up a fine nest egg, darling, but you've got to have dreams, and sometimes they have to be beyond your immediate reach. I have plans. I didn't say plans, I said dreams. Wasn't it odd and amused? Her own daughter had always dreamed too much. Miss Laura had dreamed simple dreams, had a broken heart, and little Miss Kate had never let herself dream enough. What are you waiting for, darling? To be as old as me before you indulge yourself? Enjoy yourself? You're not old, Annie, Kate said up. You'll never be old. Tell that to the li tell that to the lines that crop up on my face daily. But she smiled as she turned. What are you waiting for, Kate? What are you waiting for, Katie? I don't know exactly. Her gaze shifted to the crystal vase behind Anne, filled the burst team with yellow flowers that glow glowed with like sunlight. She could, if she bothered to, count on one hand the number of times a man had sent her roses. I haven't really thought about it. Then it's time you did. Top of the list is what makes Kate happy. You're good at list making. God knows, she said briskly, then went to the closet to, for the rope Kate always left in her room at Templeton House. Now you can sit to out on the terrace in the sun for a while. You sit there and do nothing but dream for a bit. End of chapter 8